When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 147 of the Burden of Command podcast. I'm your host, Earl Breon, and the Burden of Command podcast is a production of The Leadership Failings. To find out more about me and what I can do for you, visit leadershipphalanx.com. That's leadership, P-H-A-L-A-N-X.com. Now, this is just another quick reminder that in a handful of episodes, episode 151, the name of the show will be changing from the Burden of Command to the Responsible Leadership Podcast. This is really just a change in name, content, structure-wise, everything's going to remain pretty much the same. So when you start hearing that, you're still in the right spot. Don't worry about it. Now about today's guest. Today's guest is Helen Yu. Helen is the founder and CEO of Tigan Advisory. She drives growth for tech companies from startups to global titans like Oracle and Adobe. And she helps CEOs achieve multi-billion dollar revenue growth and record profitability. She's a board advisor to fast growth SAAS companies and is on the board of Global Security Association. She's a top Twitter influencer with a 10 million plus weekly reach and was ranked with top 10 thought leader by Thinkers360, and a top 10 digital transformation influencer by IBM. She has spoken at South by Southwest, Tycon, DMS, and Money 2020. She is an avid adventurer who trekked to Mount Everest Base Camp and ice climbed glaciers. Her new book is titled, Ascend Your Startup, Conquer the Five Disconnects to Accelerate Growth. Now, that's what we're really going to focus on here today is that book. And I'll tell you what, Helen has an amazing story to share with us. I'm not going to belabor the point anymore. I'm going to get out of the way, let the stinger play, and let you enjoy this outstanding conversation with Helen Yu. All right. Well, hello, Helen, and welcome to the Burden of Command podcast. Hello, Earl. Uh, It's an honor to be here. Oh, I'm, uh, the, the pleasure is, is, uh, well, I won't say all mine, but uh, the pre- pleasure is going to be part of mine here because I really love your story. I love your approach to leadership. Uh, and I love kind of the backstory to your story, which we'll get into here in a minute. Uh, but before we do, I got to start you off where I start off all of my guests. When you hear the phrase burden of command, what does that mean to you? Well, Earl, when I hear about that phrase, I think about, you know, the responsibility comes with accountability. Uh, as a leader, you really need to take responsibility, not only for your behavior, but also for all the team members' action and performance, right? And that's the hardest part because some people, you know, really want to get that title without knowing that what comes with that title. And uh, there's, it's so important. I talk about the four C's um, in a leader, right? That's uh, communication, clarity, contest, and consistency. What that means as a leader, 
you have to constantly communicate with your team members, with your peers, with people who are uh, above you, and then with your customers, with your partners, with whomever you work with, right? And then the clarity is that you have to be really clear um, about what you're setting up the, the expectation for your team and then also clear about what your objective is and, and help the team and just inspire them, right? How to get there to always challenge your team to give their best all the time. And you have to have integrity. I talk about, you know, in, in you need to process very strong sense of ethics at any time. And, and then that's the consistency, right? Driving the consistency. And then also, you need to when I, whenever you say something to anybody or you know just communication, you have to provide context that this is part of. And then as a leader, you know having you know you have to always show the genuine genuine concern for your team members and for others. Provide the guidance to to them and never really just never really point fingers. And then if there's an issue, think about what is the root cause of that. How do you guide the team overcome that challenge? And you have to be decisive. Honestly, sometimes um, you may not have every single data point that would get you to a decision. And you have to make the judgment with maybe 80% of the data there, obviously, and then decide what to do and you know guide the team. And then I talked about accountability earlier. You have to be very focused as a leader, guide your team, to focus on the goals, focus on what you're trying to achieve, and then apply the strategy, operationalize your strategy, and then help the team understand what are techniques you can use to achieve that team objectives. Mm. No, I like that. I, I love everything you said there. And, and uh, you know, there's a lot, um, I mean, there's a lot of crossover between you know, what you just said and what we were taught about leadership in the Marines, that's why it really speaks to me a lot. And it sounds to me, uh, now for the listeners here uh, who may not be familiar, uh, I mentioned the pre-roll bio here that, that you are the author, amongst other things, but you're the author of Ascend Your Startup, Conquer the Five Disconnects to Accelerate Growth. And as I mentioned, I love the story and the kind of the backstory of your story. Um, but I imagine a lot of these things that you just talked about, about the burden of command really came through and, and helped you, uh, on your climb up the mountain, right? Yes. So, uh, Earl, my mantra is growth thrives at the intersection of tech and humanity, right? What really prompted me to, uh, write this book is, uh, to, was to keep a sacred promise to my grandmother, and uh, that was to leave her ashes on a tall mountain. Um, I felt unstoppable, right? I made up my mind that nothing would hold me back from my climb, even though I was not a you know, climber. And uh, my really destination started out not on any map, but at a the time there's no Google, right? Not a, and today you can just Google, get all the information. But everything started off in my mind, making the decision to write this ascending, uh, ascend, you know, startup was no different. Um, I felt that it was just another way to honor the grit and resilience 
grandma taught growing up. Uh, and honor the grit and resilience it takes to scale a startup. Mm. Well, okay, so you said something there that, that's kind of interesting because, you know, for folks who haven't read the book yet, uh, the, the mountain we're talking about here is Mount Everest, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so was this your first time climbing? This was my first time climbing such a tall mountain. Here's the thing, I was raised by my grandmother and uh, when I was raised by her was ten, uh, nine, nine boys. One is my brother, the other ones are my cousins. And I was the only girl and the youngest. And when she, my grandma passed away, I was the one right by her bed, right? She held my hand, said three things to me. Uh, stay, the first thing she said was stay special. The second thing was make the world proud. The last set, word she said, spread my ashes to a tall mountain. <clears throat> so at the time I was young and losing grandmother was like, she was my world. So <clears throat> for really longest time, I did not know when she said stay special, make the world proud, all I was thinking was to make her proud. As she said, spread her ash uh, on a tall mountain. We were, you know, debating the cousin, debating, you know, what's considered a tall mountain. I said, forget about. It. Let's not debate. Let's go to the tallest mountain. So that's how we decided to climb the Mount Everest base camp. Right? We five of us head out, and uh, I was the only one who made it in the end. Uh, yeah, well, no, what I love about it is is that's such a, uh, I mean, again, it's such a great story. You know, I was raised by my grandparents as well, so I can very much identify with with what you're talking about. My uh, my grandmother, were, for all intents and purposes, was just like my mother. She passed away when I was about 13 or so. Um, and, sorry to uh, hear that. Oh, exactly. Well, and I'm sorry to hear about your grandmother as well, but I, I, so I, but I can identify really right with that wanting to make them proud. Uh, and what I love about it is your, your mindset there of let's not get caught up on what a tall mountain is. Let's just go to the tallest mountain. Uh, you know, cause why, why debate? Just go to the, just go to the one that is the tallest mountain, right? Uh, how did your family react when you said, yeah, we're not going to just debate tall mountain. We're going to go to the tallest mountain. And, and that's the decision. My family said, are you nuts? There's no way you're going to do this. Right. And because, you know, the reality is only 5,000 people to this state who have made it. And, uh, you know, they hear more horror stories about, you know, the loss of lives. And, um, and you know, it's, I said, you know, I was, I was going to do this because this was the last thing grandma asked me. She never asked for anything in her entire life being a giver. And uh, I knew, I knew she said this to me, not lightly, right? Uh, and then, as a matter of fact, going through that whole process, right, getting prepared to climb, and then uh, I learned it's not just about this getting there to uh, keep her sacred, pro my sacred pro uh, promise to her, it's going through the journey coming back with four lessons I learned. It resonated with me my entire life and then I was able to apply these four lessons I learned 
to the business world. That's how I became more successful every single day, right? I looking back, I mean, I still can vividly remember what happened through the journey that you know nearly lost die, uh, lost life, the death, right? Near to, to death experience really helped me recenter myself and finally help me understand what I really wanted to do right in the end. Yeah. Well, no, and I love that. So let, let's talk about that a minute because what I love is you took this experience and, and very appropriately, I might add, I never really thought about it this way until reading your book, um, but you, you tie that to the business world and, and entrepreneurship, right? And and in a lot of ways, there's this idea of uh, starting a startup, whatever sector it's in, really, it is very, it's very much on par with that discussion of, you know, let's, let's just go to the tallest mountain because mm-hmm. throwing your hat in that arena is, is not for the faint of heart, yet a lot of people do it without necessarily mm-hmm. being experienced in it every single day, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, a lot of people have the vision, right, to head out and do it. But, you know, the difference is that can you really carry out the mission and complete that, right, all the way through? As a matter of fact, getting on top of the summit is not the end goal. The end goal is how do you safely return, right, taking the whole team with you, coming back down to the mountain. And uh, so you have to be, as a leader, you have to be super prepared because you have, it's not, you're not climbing the mountain alone, right? When you build a business, it's the same. You have to be super prepared uh, to think about, ask yourself all these questions. Number one, first of all, why you're doing this, right? If, because if you do not understand why you're doing something, none of the people on your team would really be inspired to follow along and you won't get far. And uh, in, it is also, right, the, without a sense of purpose, the founder's journey is very empty or goes array, array, and then purpose really gives us a destination and motivation to get there. Um, then you have to, you know, no matter how well you're prepared, there are always unexpected things that happen along the journey. So as a leader, how do you get the team or, you know, to adapt to the unexpected situation? That's so crucial, right? Because when we climb, uh, you know, I literally, we dropped, you know, the five of us at one, one, right? Each of them one by one, you know, dropped out of the journey for different reasons and mostly due to high altitude sickness. And uh, you have to be prepared. What you know, in the end, the journey is very lonely. The journey to the top is very lonely, um, and uh, and you know, it's just also when you climb mountain. I don't know if you know Earl in as a marine, so you can't just go to the base camp all the way to summit, right? You have to go to the base camp, and then you climb to summit one. You come back to the uh, base camp and then you go to summit two and then you go back to the base camp again before you go to the next summit. So what happened in that process allows you to acclimate, right? To get used to the high altitude. And there are some very rare people who can just go to the top. But, you know, for me, I'm not a climber and I have to get myself, I have to really get ready for that whole situation before heading before the journey. 
you exercise, right? I don't, I could not afford for a personal trainer. So I only thing I could do just exercise on my own every single day. You get up early, stay late and uh, be disciplined. I, I went to the library at the time. There's no Google. So I went to the library to read I called friends and, and who referred me to others who've done this. So I took notes and there's so much you have to do to be prepared. And then, you know, lastly, and don't forget to celebrate, right? The four things I learned, you pr prepare, adapt, you uh, acclimate, and then you um, celebrate along the way. With people, sometimes you don't know with the team members you have on your team as a leader. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I mean, because again, it's, it's so, it's so appropriate. I mean, you know, putting the team together, putting the preparation together. And, and uh, I love that part there because, you know, again, uh, the, the adapt and be prepared part, that's, you know, the Marines, one of our many mottos is adapt and overcome. And so, mm -hmm. you know, it's that same thing is if you're prepared for, uh, you know, nobody can ever be prepared for every situation, but as you just mentioned, you know, there's enough data out there to help you prepare for most of the situations uh, that you could possibly run into on this journey. Um, and, and, and what I love, again, I, I love everything about your story. So I, I'm, I'm genuinely in awe of everything that you've done here. Um, but what I, one of the things I love, you talk about in chapter one, uh, starting in the Valley of Disconnects, and you identify uh, uh, basically five uh, disconnects, if you will, the, your decisions. And you ask one question in there that I absolutely love because I think it's a question that everybody needs to be able to answer is what does success look like to you? So why do you think that that's such an important question? Well, it's uh, so important because everybody is at a different stage of their life as a leader you know, your goal is going to dictate how you lead the team, right? Hmm. Um, that's being said, I it took me years to figure that out, right? After losing grandmother, I did, clearly did not know uh, what I want to accomplish as a person, right? As a leader, all I knew was to stay special and uh, but what spe really staying special to how do I stay special? to make the world proud, what does that really mean, right? This whole climbing experience got me cleared on what that exactly that means. And uh, I, I find that I work with a lot of people and uh, leaders, right? They're, some of them are senior uh, executives um, at uh, larger organizations. The, the hardest part is for them to figure out what they would like, what success looks like to them, right? And, mm -hmm. Sometimes success means things very, very uh, ordinary. You know, some of them just want to have more balanced life as they go through a stage of the life where being a parent, and then some of them just being going through a transition from a middle manager to a senior uh, leader, and some of them going through hardship in life, and they need the time to cope with a situation, right? So as a leader or as a founder of the company, you might be on different part of journey. Your success is very different. Your definition of success might be very different from others. So not everybody would make a dent on the universe, 
right? Not every company will become Google, Facebook, or Amazon, but then you know you have to define what success looks like to you. And once that's defined, well defined, you can find a way to make sure everybody on the team understands that and then help them articulate. You can inspire, that's how you can inspire them, right? The devotion in them to work with you and then rally up for the effort to achieve the goals for the entire company. Yeah, no, and, and again, I love I love that. I mean, because, you know, you, you just mentioned there talking about the, the base camps and celebrating with people uh, you, you don't know. Um, but, you know, that's this this journey is, you know, we called it again in the Marines, uh, kind of the, the shared struggle or, or shared strife. Mm-hmm. And, and that is a really, that's one of the most galvanizing components of, of friendship and long-term relationships, in my opinion, in my experiences. Uh, because I guarantee you that there's probably some people that you met on that mountain for the first time that because of what you went through became quick, fast, steady friends, right? Oh, yeah. I had to share the story with you. So I saved all my money to buy this camera, right, and to take it on with me um, to the trip. And then the night before I was supposed to head out, to climb the base camp, I dropped the camera. And mm. so the camera no longer functioned. And you can understand the amount of frustration you would have, right? Mm. I sat there, think about how do I manage the situation? And then and then I suddenly, right, light bulb, I was walking in the room, it's the t- tiny little place where it's freezing cold at night, I could not sleep because I said, you know, this is so frustrating. I carry this heavy, right? I, and it's not like at the time you got iPhone, you can just carry that with you. At the time it was, I could not afford a smartphone either. The smartphone just came out. And then I sat there, I said, oh, I can look at, I was playing with this camera, a broken camera. And then I suddenly uh, came to me, I can just take out the memory card. And then let, let me just take the memory card with me and the Zoom. I, I bought a Zoom, right? So with me, and then I will wait for someone. Uh, if I'm lucky, someone else will have the same camera. I can put the memory card inside the camera body. And then I said, if they need my Zoom, I can lend my Zoom. So out of the so many people there that day and, and 200 plus people, have had the same ideas trying to head out. This girl came from Singapore, happened happened to have the same camera, exactly the same. So she did not have the zoom because most people don't carry it. It's really heavy to to carry the zoom. So I've asked her, you know, can we? Can I just put my memory card inside the camera body, and then I can take some picture. I can lend my zoom to her. So we both benefit from that partnership, right? Yeah. So, you know, to this date, we still talk to each other and uh, she did not make it to top, by the way. So among the 200 people, only three people made the trip to the base camp. Mm. And uh, I ran into this girl who, ha- you know, is from San Francisco. We did not share much, but all we shared was, hey, where are you coming from? And, uh, but you know, we were able to take pictures for each other. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, and again, I love the, uh, I love that because that's such a great metaphor for, for leadership and, and business, especially startups, right? Is, uh, you know, you, you were able to, she, she had a strength and a weakness and you had a strength and a weakness, but you were able to put those two things together to make each other better and and a much uh, more enjoyable experience. And, that is really what leadership and especially leadership in a startup is, is about is, is knowing what you don't have and finding the people that have what you don't have to be able to make the overall experience much more successful, right? You're right on, Earl. Absolutely. And you have sometimes to come up with ideas in, in the spur of moment, right? And also, as you said, not only just think about how you take from others, but what you're going to give in that partnership as a leader. Mm. Oh, I, I love it. Like I said, this was, um, do, do you ever sit back and like think about this and then think about uh, your, your grandmother's wishes uh, and, and sit there and, and, and just think about the destiny behind the, this trip and what it has taught you? I do that all the time, Earl. I start my day to write three thank you notes every single day in the past 15 years. So sometimes I write the notes to people who are no longer here, and grandmother is one of them. And, uh, you know, I sit there and think about, you know, these things and lessons I learned from each of them and why I'm so thankful for being, you know, having known, you know, met them or, you know, what are things that lessons I learned. So that, you know, cultivating that gratitude really helped me to stay in a positive mind and also helped me to figure out where I can improve, right? Especially when I run into challenges and there are days you stuck. There are days that you don't see any progress as a founder or, you know, as a leader. There are days that you're being blamed for, the mistakes and others uh, really made but you know what as a leader you have to as a leader there's no bad day right you know even though there is a bad day for you you cannot carry that with you you have to really make sure that you 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 know the you know the how you react to what happened to you is more important than what really truly happened to you and then i mentioned earlier how do you inspire the devotion in team and that's so important your attitude and mindset is so important to ensure the team are not they don't get frustrated because of the small um obstacles ahead of you you have to have them focused focus on how you overcome you talk about earlier talk about shared struggle and shared drive and that's so critical in a leader yeah no i agree i agree well speaking of something else that is critical especially to to startups uh and i love that you focus as much as you do on this because i think this is one of the key things that that some startups like they kind of know what it is but they Mm -hmm. it, it takes them a while to find out exactly what their product is, right? So they may say, hey, we're a software company, we're going to sell software. But, you know, software itself is not a product. You find that one key piece of software and that's your product that you build around. So how do you help startups or or what advice do you have for startups to be able to kind of take what they may think their product is and be able to kind of really niche it down to what their actual product is? Yeah. 
most of the startups they go through stay、uh, three stages, right? The first stage is turning an idea into product, and then the second second stage is moving from product to market. The last one is market scale. So what you mentioned right now is, you know, once you you really turning an idea to product, they go through five disconnects, right? In the book, I describe that. The first one, the product market disconnect, right? Disconnect is a blind spot that as leader or founder you don't really see.、Um, you know, I find that most of the founders are brilliant with you know getting generating ideas, and they know they have this vision in terms of how. You know, something can turn into a product, but then they don't know the people and process. Most of them don't, right? And very rare you find a founder who do who do. And、uh, the challenge for them is that even though you have the best product, how do you take that? Really, how do you really turn that to get that into the market? You have to know, do a lot analysis, right? Making sure you understand. You know,、um, not you know who your target audience is, right? Number one, and then two is you know also what problem you're trying to solve here, right? You know, does the people you're trying to target care about the problem you solve, and then who else out there is solving the same problem, right? So that's kind of the analysis you go through, you know, for the product market fit. If you are off a little bit, and you everything else will be off. But you know things can evolve. It's not like hey, you figure this out now. Five years down the road, can be has to be exactly the same. You have to constantly evolve, right? You know, with the market change and environment change,、uh, your target audience might be expanded and then might be slightly different. You know, like Amazon, they started off as an e-book store. Look where they are at today, right? So it's quite different. And、uh, so that's and then the second second disconnect is. They、uh, define minimum. Everybody or founders know you have to have minimum viable product. What that means is that you don't want to. You have you want to pilot, right? Here's your product. You want to pilot to see who be who might be interested in this. And as you go through that whole process,、um, the most critical situation here is not only you define the minimum viable product, you also define minimum viable team, and then you also say. What kind of resources can really carry this out for me to come off as a minimum viable product? Then, most importantly, you have to define minimum viable repeatability, right? How do you really ensure whatever success you have, you can repeat that success? You know, as a leader, I mean, winners take the the talent, but to repeat takes a character、uh, as a leader. And then the third disconnect I talk about is a voice of customer disconnect. Um, once you figure out, you know the you know the product market fit, they'll figure out, you know the the minimum viable product, minimum viable team, and and then you have to go validate with your customers, right? It's like acclimate acclimate to to the environment. You have to go, you know, get out of the lab, go talk to the customers, and at a time maybe you have a few customers, you understand. Why they're willing to invest in you as an early adopter, right? What really matters to your customers, and then is there a feature must-have feature that you would like to further invest, and then is that aligned with your customers' growth、um, strategy? What else can you do if you, you know, further expand? And then the fourth one: once you have all that, you have to have, you know, the process in place. 
right? Uh, not only the processes, and then what are the how do you measure your success? So uh, the the measurement is the last disconnect. There, this five disconnect is a more of a decision framework. Regardless of the size of your company, stage of your company, you can always think about where you are at along the growth journey. And really, in this book, it's more more of a decision framework that guides guides you. Uh, what are the 26 questions you ask along the journeys? You know, you can Google almost everything if you have a question, but you know, you can't just Google what question I ask. And most of the time, is like as you go through, depends on the journey of your startup. You can have a book there to guide you. You know, hey, what are the questions I should ask if I'm trying to define my pricing strategy, right? Um, so. That's why I wrote this book, and, and based on the 500 plus conversations I've had working with founders and working with entrepreneurs over, you know, um, 15 years. Mm. No, and, and I love I love that, and uh, you know, it reminds me. Um, so I'm, I'm going to ask the question this way, yeah. and, and then I'm going to share a story with you and see what you think about this. So, um, how often do you find startups that think their product is one thing but later realize it's actually something else and, and the story i'll share is um i had a friend he's been on the podcast mm-hmm. um uh, his name's Corey schaffer mm-hmm. and uh, he is uh the ceo of uh, a company called till valhalla project mm-hmm. right to, to most people looking at Corey's company they would say his product is uh, the t-shirts and hats that they sell. Mm-hmm. But when you ask Corey, and this is a story of somebody who's, I think, in tune to their product, his product is he actually provides memorial plaques for what he uh, the company t- uh, defines as, as heroes, fallen uh, mm-hmm. firefighters, fallen police officers, uh, veterans that either fell mm-hmm. on the battlefield, committed suicide. He provides memorial plaques to them. That's his product. Mm-hmm. The other things are that the shirts and hats that he sells are kind of like how he brings money into the company to provide the product of the memorial plaques. And the the neat thing with his organization is, is once people have really figured out that he's not just another T-shirt and hat company, that his product actually is the memorial plaques, mm-hmm. they flock to his company more than they have some of the other shirt uh, and hat providers. So kind of with that story as a backdrop, how often do you find that entrepreneurs, startups, they don't really understand what their product is, even though they're producing something? That's such a brilliant question, Earl. Um, I find that 98% of the time, the founders trying to, you know, their brand or the product solution is mismatched, right? Mm -hmm. This is why 90% of them fail. And uh, it's quite interesting you said this. Um, you have you cannot really you have to separate you know your brand from your pro- product, right? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't separate. You need to get them aligned, right? right? Because if you think about Disney, right? People, I have not, I I don't know anybody who have kids and then not wanting to go to Disney, right? The reason why when you think about Disney. You their their logo or what do you call it, the tagline is making people happy, right? right? And then it's it becomes a dream for all the families with kids to at least go there once, right? Because that's what 
they they want to do. And the same with Nike. You think Nike is not selling shoes or selling inspiration, right? You think、right. of you know if you can get a pair of Nike because of athletes, right? They wear that. They achieve their goals and. Um, so it's the brand image. It's so critical for startups. And what kind of brand brand your your brand came before you start the company? Right, probably before you thought of what cool tech idea even right that cool idea because your brand really comes from inside of you. You know, as founder, and your brand is your values, core beliefs, high mission, and、uh, the why. Right, you are a you know you you're not only a product creator, you're also a brand creator. So as early as possible, you have to consider how you're going to extend the impact your brand creates and include others、uh, on that journey as well. So I actually work with a lot of people or founders. They struggle with that, right? They have a cool. I don't know if you're old enough to even know what.、Uh, remember that smartphone, BlackBerry、oh, is.、Yeah. And、uh, most of the younger generation don't even know they existed. They actually came out before iPhone, right? So they had, I would say, by far the best smartphone and generated a lot of excitement. And look where they're at now, right? So having the best product or the first product coming out of the market may not be the only thing that matters. At the end of the day. People really don't just buy it because it's a good product. They buy it for many other reasons. They're intangible reasons, right? When it comes to brand, so you have to explore the why, what, how you got there, right? You have to think about、um, branding is like I would say, I always say, like a vast open sea where the waves rise and fall without the sailor having any really bearing in which direction they're going. Founders are tech wizards, so they shrunk at the mere thought that they could possibly remaster their brand. So I cannot underscore the importance of working on their brand early and often because the two, you know, this brand has to be aligned with their product. That's how they can sustain their growth and, and keep existing in the marketplace.、Mm. No, I love that. I love that. Well, and and once. So once a、uh, startup entrepreneur、uh, figures out that kind of magic sauce, if you will,、uh, mm-hmm. now comes time to scale, right? And, and、yeah. that's where the next level of threat comes in. So, so how do they deal with scaling? Well, you know, I wish there is a RX, right? Then you know, ninety percent of the startup fail、um, because it's hard. To scale a company, right? I talked about earlier.、Um, you have to not only have your minimum viable product defined, you have to define this whole minimum viable repeatability, right? It, you can't just have one-off situation. You you finally sell into let's say you you sold to one customer, and how do you make sure is that customer is your ideal? You know, I call ICP ideal customer profile, right? If they are, how do you sell into ten more, hundred more customer like that, right? And then the more repeatable your go-to-market strategy is, the more repeatable your success is going after similar type of customers. And then you have to also understand, right? The you know, you know who, what kind of customers you already have today, 
and then get very deeper, deep to understand why they invested in you in the first place. What else matters to them? It's not about you, right? It's about the value you bring to your customers' you know um, growth, and then how do you achieve that, and then have your customers. To brag about you, share their success is word of mouth, right? The relationship, and then they will go talk, be a reference for you, to, for you to win the next deal.、Um, and that's how you scale. And then scale means also you also have to have the what do you call partner distribution channel, right? Could be, you know, maybe you get to a stage. You you are no longer going to be do everything by yourself. You have to you know build a strong partner ecosystem. You have to figure out what kind of other distribution channels you may need, and then how do you, you know what is your pricing strategy, and then who else is in the market to solve the same problem, and what makes you unique, right? Why why other you know the customers will go or companies will do business with you. So there are many other ingredients, right? You know, really, you have to as a leader. This is the thought leadership is so critical, right? For you know, you're a founder. You also need to be a thought leader. You also need to make sure that people understand you. you your brand is known and being seen, and that you know, brand is aligned with what you're selling, and then that's how you can help you all the way through. So, so the cross-functional alignment is so critical as you scale, right? So you can't just randomly go, "Hey, I can just give Earl a call to make a deal anymore," because you have to really understand your marketing team what they're doing, right? If they are going building the pipeline for you, generating the lead for you, if you have a sales leader, what are the process you go through, right? Making sure you really have a process to to go through the whole. Uh, sales journey, and then your customer success team or implementation team. Once the deal is sold, that's beginning journey for your success team to or implementation team deliver success team to carry that forward. If you're in the SaaS business, and then you know you have to know the entire company. How do you make sure your engineering team, product team, also understand what the priorities are, and then you know how they align a product roadmap to customer. Demand, and、uh, also what kind of incentive you have for entire company to get aligned, you know, to toward the same goal. That sounds very easy. It's hard to sing, right? I I mentioned in my book about you know V two mom. This is a, a term that、uh, Salesforce invented, right? V the first V means vision. That's how do you make the future resonate. The second V is values. Like what is your core beliefs as a company? The M means pass, right? Whatever pass you get to achieve your goal, and then O is stands for obstacles. What are the risks that you go through? And then lastly is the measures, right? How do you track the result? So this V two mom、um, is very critical for the company, not only at the top, all the way through your organization. So as a leader, yeah, to guide the team, understand what your vision is, the values you're driving, and then. How you can lead the team, what kind of method you use to get there, but you have to also identify the obstacles and risk, and then lastly is to hold your team accountable through measurements, right? So so critical to go through that. That's just so,、um, and as you go through the last two disconnect, the process and measurement disconnect, those are and your voice of customers disconnect. Those are three super critical 
disconnect you have overcome to scale your business. Mm. No, I like that too. And and uh, listeners, again, uh, we're chatting with Helen Yu, author of Ascend Your Startup, Conquer the Five Disconnects to Accelerate Growth. Uh, Helen, before we uh, start closing out, I've got to ask you one, because uh, for the listeners, you know, as, as you mentioned, there's these 26 decisions throughout the book, um, and there's questions associated with each one of those. Uh, but if you would take a, a, a quick couple of minutes here, there's one I really have to ask you about before we work on closing out, and it's uh, decision number 24. How will you armor up for adversity? So, so what does that mean and, and how can people armor up for adversity? Yeah, so the difference between winning and losing is really that grit and resilience that take you to finish the last mile. I'll give you an example. When I was climbing the Mount Everest Space Camp, and uh, I, I told you, I shared it with you earlier, 200 people head out that day. Only three made it. Mm -hmm. So I was probably just a mile away, right? We were, we could not see anything as a climber. None of us could see it was where we were, how far along we were. And uh, a lot of people just returned, right? Decided to, to not to continue. I, at the moment, I hesitated because most people decided to go back and I couldn't see, I had, you know, almost, most of my cousins, every single one of them dropped out. Uh, so I was alone. And uh, that moment, you have to make exact decision, right? So I gave myself, I'm going to just continue for another hour to see, you know, just further along. And then I was very lucky. That was the last mile before I reached the flagpole, right? It says Mount Everest Space Camp. And, and had most of the people know they're only one mile away, I bet you 90% of them will stay on the journey and reach to go. But 90% of them, or I would say that day, 99% of them decided to go back, right? Along the way, not everyone dropped the last mile, but at least I think there were like 20 people were there, all decided to go back. And so that's really, you know, winning takes talent, but to repeat, right, it takes character. And um, a lot of times as a leader, you do not know you're only that close to your destiny. You know where you want to go, lead a team to go. You run into all sorts of obstacles. And then how do you really have the gut, the grit and resilience to take the team to finish last mile? That's what a leader is about, you know, need to do. That's how you can inspire others to stay on the journey with you, to stay focused. Right? And that's what makes a difference that's uh, that takes a character yeah oh uh the reason that story really resonated with me and i'll make this uh, kind of quick here because i think some of my listeners have heard this before but um at the end of boot camp uh, marines have to go through this thing called the crucible mm -hmm. and it's uh, a little over three days it's uh 60 some miles of marching and hold on yards but uh, the very last day, like the last event, you, you've been mm -hmm. up, uh, you get three hours of sleep over that, that three days. Uh, mm -hmm. You've been up, you've been solving problems, you run ragged, right? And the last mm -hmm. event is a 12-mile march uh, from where, where we were set up, our base camp, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, to the parade deck, the finish line. Mm -hmm. And the drill instructors do this thing, and it's, it's brilliant in hindsight. You want to beat them half to death when they do it to you in real time. 
but they march you out. And by this time you've become pretty decent at pacing yourself. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you know, when they do this, you're, you're guessing you're eight, nine miles into this 12 mile march mm-hmm. and you come around the corner and there's base camp again. Uh, mm. There were the Quonset huts and they go through this whole uh, spiel like, oh man, we took a wrong turn. We're going to have to start this thing all over again. And, and you see uh, kind of like what you're talking about there. You just see this, the, the energy kind of mm-hmm. deflate from some people and some people dropped out right then yeah. and there and we're just like you know i can't do this i can't do the, another i can't do another 12 mile march on top of the eight or nine we've already done mm-hmm. and what you don't know is at that time is that it is a psychological game yeah. and you're only two or three miles from the finish line they they yeah. want to see who has what you just mentioned that perseverance to kind of push through not knowing that yeah. you're almost at the finish line you know, as a founder or leader, you run into that on a daily basis, yeah. daily basis, right? You don't see the finish line sometimes. You're lonely at the top. You're so close. And then you you hesitate to share your your challenge um, or with everybody around you and what you're going to do. Your mindset, right? It's so critical. And uh, you cannot be stressed out you have to hey take a step back i talked about aquamine earlier take a step back sometimes in order to move forward you have to take a step back yep. so that's uh mount average base camp is a profound marker to remain, remind us right and just take a step back and then you can't see the forest when you are in the trees and as a leader that's why you are a leader to guide the team to see the forest when they need to see that right and that's yep get them inspired and carry on the journey to finish that journey and to celebrate. Yeah, no, I love that. Well, Helen, we've been chatting here for a little over 45 minutes and it has been outstanding. Um, But before we do close out, is there anything that we didn't get a chance to cover that you really want to leave listeners with before we go? Well, you got me fascinated with the Marine story. I'd love to hear more about that next time. Yeah. Okay, absolutely. We'll have to make sure there is a next time. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Um, and then for my listeners, uh, hopefully we've won over some hearts and minds. Uh, they want to go out and get a copy of Ascend Your Startup, Conquer the Five Disconnects to Accelerate Growth. Uh, and they want to find out more about Helen, the services you offer, and uh, maybe bring you in to speak to their organization or work with you in some other way. What's a great way for them to find out more about Helen? Uh, they can find me through LinkedIn, uh, Taigong HYU, or they can find me on Twitter. I am uh, spend 30 minutes on Twitter uh, in the evenings every day. So my handler is uh, Y-U-H-E-L-E-N-Y-U, uh, U, Helen U. They can also find me through my website, taigongadvisory.com. Uh, I also have my own YouTube channel. I have my podcast called CSO Spice Talk. So they can uh, Google that and then follow me. And uh, they can buy my books through my website or Amazon. Um, and there are many channels, right, uh, that they can get a copy of the book. Outstanding. Well, Helen, I, thank you. Or, I have to also tell you my book is also published uh, or released uh, through NFT. 
for those nerds out there who are interested in, in digging, digging in. Oh, nice. Okay. I, I don't know that I've heard of a book uh, coming out as an NFT, so I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's good. That's good. So, uh, well, Helen, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate you uh, spending some time with me and my listeners. And uh, uh, it's just been a great conversation. Thank you for having it with me. Earl, thank you for having me. Uh, it's such a pleasure chatting with you. Now you got me intrigued uh, in many other things. I look forward to staying in touch with you. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. And listeners, go out, uh, check out those things. I, I've been on uh, Helen's uh, YouTube page. There's a lot of great video there. Uh, there's a lot of great content on the social media pages. Uh, I'll have those links in the show notes so you can connect with her very easily. Uh, thank you all for your time and being a part of this conversation. Make sure you're sharing, rating, subscribing, reviewing. Do all those great things that help uh, my guests like Helen, get their messages uh, in more people's ears. Uh, that That's the, the key role that you play, and thank you all for taking it serious and doing a great job with that. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns for me, you can reach out to me at burden.command at gmail.com. That's burden.command at gmail.com. Thank you all for your time. I really appreciate it, and I look forward to speaking with you all again in the next episode. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wanna Bet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Pack podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Electric Acid.